0: Welcome to the Kingdom ROI, return on intention show. I'm your host, Eric L. Donovitt, the Kingdom ROI strategist. Families and businesses hire me to create, grow, and protect generational wealth by discovering that what they do in their family's living room matters more than what they do in their boardroom or advisor's conference room. On this show, I'm here to tell the stories of families and business owners who recognize that they didn't have a growth problem. They had a relationship and priority problem. We'll hear stories and the journey these families who recognize that business and financial growth weren't what mattered. They know that their relationships and priorities is what's going to determine their outcomes. So stick around to hear the hardships they've faced, the lessons they've learned, and the wisdom they wish they would have known along the way. Each story captures the blessings and the struggles of pursuing return on intention instead of return on investment. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the next 40 minutes where we take the world's broken mindsets and systems and turn them upside down. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Return on Intention show. I have brought you another amazing guest and you know that my passion is to advocate for families to grow and protect generational abundance for at least four generations by exposing wide, widespread planning illusions and minimizing the destruction of wealth during your lifetime and beyond. <laughs> So our guest today has lived a life with an understanding that to truly achieve abundance, it's not about the next business or financial strategy. It is about acknowledging that what we do in our living rooms matters more than what we do in any conference or boardroom. And I am so looking forward to diving more into the story of their journey. Stacey Pearson, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show.
1: Glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. So Stacy, before we kind of dive in, I'd love to just, we're going to talk more about the business and more about everything that you've got going on. You and I have known each other for a while, but introduce yourself to my audience. Tell them a little bit about your family, kind of where you are and and kind of what you're passionate about.
1: Okay. Um, I am married to Paige and we've been married now for 23 years. Um, Very thankful for her. And she's the biggest blessing in my life. Um, Definitely outkicked my coverage. (laughs) to marriage. So I'm very thankful for that. And I have three kids. I have Parker who is a a sophomore in college. He's 19. And then I have Emmeline who is a senior. She's 17. And then I have Bowden who is a freshman and he's 15. So we're all kind of stair-stepped in there and not that we actually planned it that way. It worked out that way, but um, it, it, it makes for good times. So.
0: What, what, Tell them a little bit about the business and about kind of maybe even kind of some of the history with your dad and the family business and and that, if you would.
1: Okay. Um, well, Pearson Air is our business and originally it was started in 1982 by my father under the name Pearson Mechanical Incorporated. Hmm. And, um, my father is a great businessman, just a, a great mentor, um, has really, led me down some really good paths when it came to how to live life, you know, as a young man, but also how to run a business. Hmm. And there's a lot of wonderful things that he taught me over the years. And um, so the business started when I was six. And so I've kind of always been around it and never really known a lot different. Although my my belief was when I graduated college, I was not working in the business. (laughs) I am not doing that. I'm not working in the family business. And so sure enough, now here we are um, many years later and I'm running the business. So (laughs) I guess uh, God had different plans for me. Um, And so, yeah, um, dad turned the business over to me in 2012. And so I've now been running the business for 11 years and it's been a lot of change. Um, I took over at a time when the economy was at its worst. Mm-hmm. Um, coming out of the recession of 08, 09, And as a tradesman, um, we kind of were on the f- two or three years behind that as far as when our downturn was. And so we were coming from a place of, of little to no work. And the economy started picking back up. And it's been growing ever since. and uh, And so we're an air conditioning contractor. We do new construction air conditioning in apartment complexes. Okay, and we also do retrofit, rehab, replacement work in apartment complexes. So everything we do is in a multifamily apartment complex setting.
0: Mm. Mm. When you look at business, or you look at kind of how you've been uniquely gifted, what would you describe your suit? What's your superpower?
1: Building culture, I think is one. Um, it is very important to me that. Um, our whole business works in a team format and we all work together. And I think that starts with trust. And if we can build trust with each other, then we can build a culture of, of leaders that can build other leaders. And so I think my um, my two main objectives all the time is building culture and building leaders, Mm -hmm. And that's what I try to do on a daily basis.
0: What is your, what do you feel like is the best avenue today that you have to really focus on building culture and building leaders? What's the best tool in your toolbox for that right now?
1: Well, um, I don't know that I have a great toolbox. I know the way I try to do that is through my leadership team.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I've identified um, five individuals in my business that I have um, empowered to be on our leadership team. That's an operations director, a sales vice president of sales, a um, a vice president of construction, our operations manager, um, and our HR director. Okay. And so m- I feel like my tactic on a daily basis is to really empower them mm. and encourage them on a daily basis so they can go out and encourage others and lead others and build up leaders under them. So... I don't know that I have a great platform to doing that. I've looked into that um, and I haven't found exactly the way I want to do it. It's a more of an organic daily thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have our leadership meetings that we do every other week. So I really spend a lot of time trying to develop those meetings and use time to build into them during those meetings.
0: Well, I've got the benefit of the fact that I know you. You're being a little bit humble. I don't know that you need a tool. You've actually kind of you've done a great job at being an example for other business owners and leaders. Well, thank Um, you. Tell me a little bit. So let's talk a little bit about the business. When you think about the business over the last few years, since you've been able to lead it, tell tell the audience something that you're proud. What are you proud of that you've been able to do?
1: Well, um, I'm proud that um, we have grown. Number one. I mean, that's a huge thing. Mm. We've been able to stem the tides of different changes in the economy. We've had different governmental regulations that have come in and changed. Um, I'm very thankful that we've been able to take the, the, the ebbs and flows and, and level those out and, and, and try to have stability in these, you know, challenging times. I'm proud that my father built a name that is recognizable in the industry. Mm -hmm. And we've been able to carry that on and continue that our, our quality has stayed strong, even though we've grown, uh, tremendously. Um, so I'm very thankful about that. Um, and I'm probably most thankful that we have been able to raise up the Greg Pearson Foundation, which is a nonprofit that I run as well. And that coincides with our business and they work hand in hand. And we've been able to do some really good kingdom work through the nonprofit work that is fueled by our for-profit business. So mm-hmm. I think I think those are some of the things. And probably the last thing that I'm most um, proud of is, like I said, building those leaders. Um, I've got some great people that work for me and, um, I couldn't do it without them. And I'm just proud of how much they've developed themselves and challenged themselves and stepped up to the plate when needed and, um, handled, you know, some big obstacles that's come our way. So there's some good leaders in this business.
0: That's fantastic. You look, so you've got, you've got 10 years of kind of leading this organization, watching it grow. I want to talk a little bit about the foundation in just a little bit, but, as you look back, like where were the hiccups or the mistakes that you learned the most in leading the business over the last <laughs> 10 years? What, what, what do you look back and reflect on your greatest teaching moments?
1: Um, the very first thing I learned, and I, I say this often, is that uh, profit doesn't mean cash. Okay. <laughs> and so I learned that the hard way that, man, our, our profit looks good well, Where's all the cash? <laughs> and my business is heavily cash flow dependent, mm. and we have low margins on a high revenue, but cash flow is always churning, constantly churning. And so, learning that that profit doesn't necessarily mean cash is was a huge lesson. Um,
0: where did that show? Could you give like some specifics on kind of where that showed up? But then what? How you learned and adapted inside of that?
1: Yeah. Just paying your, paying your vendor bills is the biggest thing for us in construction. I mean, we buy some expensive mm-hmm. products and it's, it's, it's bought on a, such a large scale because an apartment complex we're we're not doing complicated air conditioning systems themselves, but we're doing three or 400 at a time.
0: Sure.
1: And so we have to buy so much product ahead of time that um, having cash to do that and having that cash available is huge. Relationships with bank is the second part kind of goes with that. Um, I've been through three different banking relationships and learned a lot of lessons about that. And having a bank that understands your business is vital um, mm. and because that's not always the case. And and I learned that just because a bank tells me a lot of good things up front doesn't mean they actually understand the way we do our business and, and the way we have to in our industry. Um, sure. There's certain banks that, you know, are, are specialized in certain segments and certain parts of, of the market and construction is a unique kind of relationship. And so you have to have a bank that understands construction. And then yeah. I think probably another thing that I learned is, uh, being a, a starting out as a smaller family business, there was some family challenges I had to work through. Um, mm. I've had to Um, have hard conversations with family members and knowing that you have to do that sometimes um, is a real challenge. And then I've also learned that, you know, hiring um, friends can be a really good thing or it can be a really challenging thing. Um, Mm. I've been fortunate that I have some really good friends that we've hired that worked out really well. Um, There's been only a few that, that didn't work out. And those are challenges you have to deal with, but um it's, it's been a life, it's definitely been a business lesson I've had to learn. So those are a couple of things I've definitely. Is there
0: anything that, have you found anything that you can see up front? Like if you're going to hire a friend, here's what you need to do that will make it successful versus, you know, here's where you can get off sideways without, especially unintentionally in that.
1: Yeah. I think, I think you definitely have to have those conversations ahead of time saying, you know, look, We are good friends and we're going to go into this situation, but here's what we need to make sure we can say whatever we need to say each other in a business Mm -hmm. setting. It's not a personal thing. And we have to be able to have that conversation. If this is not working out, we have to be able to recognize it and move on and still have a friendship. And I think having that conversation up front and having it more, you know, fairly often throughout the, the tenure of an employee is very important.
0: Yeah, yeah that's harder when it's a friend too. Yeah. Hey, yeah. You, Stacy, we talked about this in the beginning and I really kind of want to get into this. It's the Greg Pearson foundation that is connected to Pearson air. Um, so I know some of the background on that, but tell the audience a little bit about like how, who Greg Pearson was the experience that kind of shaped everything and why that is such an important part of being connected to your business.
1: Sure. This is probably my favorite thing to talk about. Great. Um, Greg was my older brother. He was 10 years older. Um, we have a sister in the middle, she's five years older and Greg, um, worked for our business. Um, he was a estimator in our business for 10 or 12 years after he got out of college. And so, um, one day my dad noticed that he had a seizure in front of him at the office Mm -hmm. and it obviously was alarming and shocking. And so my dad took him to the emergency room and three days later, they diagnosed him with a brain tumor. Um, shocking. I was a sophomore sophomore in high school at the time and really just turned our world upside down. And so for the next 11 years, he battled this brain tumor and through the highs and the lows and the ups and downs, um, you know, he fought so courageously that he passed away in 2003 from the tumor. Mm -hmm. And we wanted as a family to find a way to honor him and carry on his legacy um, because he lived so valiantly through it all. And the character with which he lived was just something we wanted to carry on in some way. And also because of the fact that so many people along the way helped us, whether it was meals, bringing meals over or prayer meetings at church or you name it, financially people would help us. I mean, there was just a lot of times when people came alongside us and blessed us. And so we said, you know, we wanna find a way to bless others the way we were blessed. And it took about three or four years for us to kind of get our head around what that meant. And the Greg Pearson Foundation came out of um, that desire to wanna help people. And so in 2008, we started the Greg Pearson Foundation. I had some mentors that guided me and really helped me get on a firm foundation of what it's like to run a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And so what we do now ever since 2008, we raise money through a annual golf tournament. We raise it through monthly donors and other general donations that come in in various ways and corporate sponsorships. And we raise it through our rebate program that we have with our vendors of the Pearson mm-hmm. Air Company. And we take the money we raise and we have um, no overhead. So everything we raise goes to the cause. Um, none of our salaries or anything come out of the foundation. Not, none of it comes out of the nonprofit And so we take that money and we go help people with cancer or other acute illnesses with like car payments, house payments, utility bills, things that they can't afford because their medical bills are sky high. And it has gone from being just a, uh, originally we wanted to have a really good golf tournament. And that was the focus at the time when we first started this, it, it has now become a full blown ministry where we're doing the Lord's work in some really unique ways. So, um, I spend probably 50% of my time on it now. Um, wow. so it's great. It's wow. my dad's retirement job. <laughs> so it's, it's really rewarding. It's really rewarding.
0: I imagine you've got just incredible stories. You have one or two stories of people who've been impacted by the foundation, maybe just even in the last year, I'm gonna kind of give you a window, like in the last year, a couple people of like the impact and how the Greg Pearson foundation really made a difference for them stories that stick out to you.
1: Well, there was one just the other day. It's kind of interesting. Um, And this is, you know, the the Lord works in such mysterious ways and time and time again, we'll have people that when we come and deliver a $2,500, $3,000 check to them in their home or in the, in the hospital, wherever, and we always hand deliver everything, Mm -hmm. um, they will respond with tears flowing down their face. Number one, and number two, they'll say, this is the exact amount that I needed to cover this mortgage or we're behind on this bill or whatever the situation may be. And it came at the exact time I needed it. And you're just like, man, that's a, that's such a God story. So we were, um, one of our, um, delivery, we call them the people that deliver the checks. We have nine retired couples that do this and we call them the ministers of benevolence,
0: okay. which
1: stands for mob. So they're the <laughs> GPF mob. And if you think about a the word mob, this This is the opposite of what a mob you would think. They're retired folks going out and delivering good news. And so they were out, this one, one of our mob members was out delivering this check. And the individual was at the county hospital in Fort Worth. Um, He did not speak any English. He Hmm. spoke Swahili. And we contacted the social worker who referred them to us originally, trying to get some communication going. And our mom member, it hit them that we have a guy at church that runs a African ministry that is a is a really strong. He's been doing it for you know twenty five years. Let's call him and get him on the phone, and let's yep. do a Facetime and try to have a communication here. So sure enough, God provided a translator, and they had a Facetime with our friend from church who was speaking in Swahili to our beneficiary who speaks only Swahili. And our mom member was just in the middle trying to facilitate it. So it's like, it's like just some crazy stories like that, that come up from time to time. There was um, a little girl that we helped years ago, years ago, and um, she needed a bone marrow transplant. She had a um, autoimmune um, disease that was really rare. And um, this was probably 10 years ago now. And she was the same age as my, my, um, my son, who's a sophomore in college now. And so we met the family and just formed a friendship and kind of walked with them through this challenging time because a bone marrow transplant takes so many months to go through. And, you know, a lot of people know that process, but, um, we would go visit in the hospital and, and you could, you had talked to her through the glass and you couldn't be in the same room and all this stuff. Now she is a, um, a division one soccer goalie at Oklahoma state really and doing just amazing. And it's just awesome to see her doing such good things when we know how much struggle struggle she had growing up in her young life. And so that's, that's a couple of neat stories that, you know, that happen. Um, and there's so many, I mean, we, we, yeah, we could go on days and days
0: talking about them. That's fantastic. That's so good. Um, Running a business, especially a business that's growing and expanding the way that you've kind of experienced exponential growth, especially over the last 10 years, a lot of times makes it difficult to then balance family and kids and everything else. Where, where have you found yourself finding success in navigating that? But on the flip side of that also, like where have you found yourself failing, maybe isn't the right word, but like making mistakes but then learning from that along the way?
1: Yeah, I think the key to managing that challenge is having good quality leaders working for you. Yeah. Um, that was one of my goals from the very beginning was to have people working with me that I could trust. Mm-hmm. And the Lord has brought me people that I can trust now. And so I've been able to, um, have the quality time with my family that I needed to have, um, My father was an incredible man and my mom and dad were at everything I did. And Mm -hmm. so I had that model to look at and I was able to say, I want the same thing for my family and my kids being close in age. There's a lot of stuff going on, as we all know, whether it's sports or academics or just things at church or whatever. But um, I think I have been able to encourage the people that work for me, I tell them all the time, look, if you're not going to your kids' activities, I'll be upset.
0: Mm.
1: So don't act like, oh, I can't go because I've got to sit here at this desk from eight to five every day and slave to the desk. You know, no, no, there'll be plenty of time for you to get your work done, but I want you to invest in your family. Um, Mm. And so I model that myself because I go to all of my kids things. I want to be at all their stuff. And I want to honor my wife by not making her have to do it all, you know, the whole it's, it's not ever in my mindset that, Oh, well, she does the family and I do the business. No, that is not the way I think Um, we do it all together. Um, Now she's not in my business. I don't mean that, but the family side we do together and that works for us. And I just tried to carve out time where um, I can be at all their stuff. It's just, it's just of, of utmost importance to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you said something early on though, that I think would be powerful to revisit. You talked about the, the importance of finding really good leaders. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one thing to find good leaders, but one thing I find often as business owners, we're guilty of at times is where we don't surrender we don't give the leader the opportunity to rise up and lead the way that they should or we we don't we don't turn it over we don't trust them where have you found what, what have you learned as you've kind of done that like where again where did you maybe fail at that but then it taught you something to to really kind of turn it over to the leader and trust that they're going to do a good job with it
1: well i think there's a couple of things number one um yeah you're not raising leaders if you're not trusting them
0: right Good point.
1: So if you are going to raise up leaders, then you've got to let them go and learn and do. And sometimes they're going to make mistakes and you work through them, but you've got to take that risk. If you're going to grow leaders, then you've got to trust them. And so I think that is very important. Now, you also want to make sure you are putting people in leadership that you feel like you can't trust. So it kind of goes both ways, but it's important that they know you trust them. Um, and mm-hmm. if they make a mistake, you're not just going to cut them off at the knees and tell them they're terrible and all that. You're going to work through it. You're going to honor them by working through it in a, in a, a, positive, in a, in a challenging way, but a way that is going to build them up and make them better for the next time they face that challenge. Um, I think another part of that is paying people what they're worth. Mm. Um, I think so many times, um, like old school business, we didn't pay people what they're worth. Yep. And I found if I will pay people what they're really worth, then they're going to become better workers and leaders in my business. Because number one, they know that I'm giving them a good salary and they want to work because they're happy with all those kind of sides of the things, but they're empowered to to go out and be leaders because they're getting paid like it. So yep. I've learned that too. You, you, If you want good people, Pay them what they're worth and let them run with it.
0: So let's take that and, and, and dig a little bit further because I think you'd run into a lot of business owners, especially in construction or in kind of the, the industry that you're in. Stacy, that I get it, but margins are tight. So the more I pay people, I'm, I'm cutting into my margin. How has this mindset of pay, paying people well benefited you? And like, what would you say to that person who's trying to come back to you with that type of statement?
1: Well, yeah, it is a challenge, but it also brings in more business too. So if you are paying them what they're worth, they're doing their job well, that just breeds more work and more customers happy with the people that work for you. Um, The last thing I want is my people out there on the job site talking about how they hate working for Pearson because they don't pay worth a flip. You know, I want my people out there talking about how great our culture is and how great of a place it is to work because that makes my customer feel proud about who they have on their job and that's going to lead to more jobs. So I think um, paying them what they're worth makes them happy and that breeds on uh, customers that are happy with us, which means more business and more jobs coming in. So
0: it goes back to where you started, right? Which is if you lead a business with culture and leadership first, the rest of it will kind of take care of itself.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, And your customers see that. Your customers are going to realize that they're not like all the other, mm. people, the other companies out there. They're, there's something different about them. And isn't that what God wants? Isn't that what yeah. Jesus wants for us as a individual? Why can't we do that in our business? You know, run a business so that you're different than the rest of the, the mm. world out there.
0: I know, again, from our personal relationship, there's just some big God-sized vision that God has given to you with where Pearson Air and, and Pearson Mechanical and everything is going. Um, I guess I'd ask the question: like, when it comes to trusting God and really kind of embracing that vision, what are you? What are you most pleased with? Kind of how you've done that?
1: One big area is trusting God to bring the right people. Um, mm. I pray for the Lord to bring us the right people to be a part of our business a lot. And he constantly brings us good quality people. Now, sometimes I get ahead of the cart before the horse and I go out and bring in someone that maybe wasn't a great fit, but Mm. the Lord has constantly brought us good people to work for us. Um, You know, I have to do a good job of training them and having a good environment and good culture to raise them up so they can be what God intended for them to be. But at the same time, he he has brought really good people. So I think that's one area um, that has made a huge difference in our businesses, trusting him to be our HR resource, you know, because um, <laughs> I believe God has a plan for everyone. And some of those people um, that have come to us, they came at a time where, man, they needed an environment like we have. I have a, I have a person that works for us who within maybe three months of coming to work for us, their father died and we were able to support him and go to the funeral with him and be there with him. And I don't think that's by coincidence. I think Mm -hmm. that's something that, that God put him in our business so that we could nurture him through that time, that difficult time he was in. Um, so I think, I think God has brought us really good people is a huge point. Um, trusting God to, um, I mean, we never had planned that the foundation would be what it is. Never had any idea. I just wanted to have a good golf tournament, really. I mean, that's all it was originally about. And that was the vision. That was my limited vision at the time, um, you know, because in the nonprofit world, I I didn't have all the big planning that I do in my business, uh, my for-profit business. And so the nonprofit has really seen the way God has laid that out now um, mm-hmm. and trusting that he has a plan for that has been huge because his plan was has been way bigger than what my plan was, you know? Mm. Um, and so that's, that's been another big lesson is trusting God's sized plans and not trying to limit, you know, what he's doing. So,
0: yeah, I think that, you know, so many times we're guilty of trying, like you said, of trying to limit what God can do or trying to put a a regulator on that, whereas his plans are always better than ours.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. There's no doubt. His plans are so much bigger. And and when it came to the 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 business, the for-profit business, I mean, he has blown my ideas out of the water. You know, <laughs> um, we're in kind of a niche market in apartment mm-hmm. new construction world is a pretty small world, and everybody kind of knows everybody and There's not that many people that do what we do. Um, And so we're in a real niche, but, you know, there's there's a lot of really good things that have come from that. We've been able to establish ourselves as the leader in our niche, in the air conditioning side of things. So that's been a real blessing that God was raising our business up to be a leader in this industry when, you know, for a lot of times we were early on, we were just trying to survive. just trying to get through payroll. I can remember numerous, numerous times where I didn't know where the money was going to come from to pay our bills on Thursday or Friday. And somehow God prepared the way. And, you know, we got a check come in that, that was just what we needed, you know? And I, I can't tell you how many times that happened early on. And, you know, it still happens to some level today. We're, we're a little more stable than that now, which is wonderful, but it has been a a really challenging life um, experience for us and, and a faith challenging experience for us running this business. Um, and I say us because my, my, my key folks that work for me know this and they're living this as well and they're part of this. So uh, we've had to really trust on God to bring in, what we need um, to make, make ends meet.
0: It's so cool. I don't, you probably noticed this, but I'm going to put two things together. You've said in the show that you may not have seen watching God show up to, to honoring God with your business and watching him show up with just the right amount of what you need at the right moment. And then the reflection of that inside of the Greg Pearson foundation of you guys being able to show up in the lives of people to then bless out to them and show up with exactly what they need at exactly the right moment. That's a cool connection. Yeah, that's great connection. And
1: I guess I probably had that in the back of my mind, but bringing that to the front—that's really neat. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Good. Yeah, that's, that's all I can that. say.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, Stacey. We're going to run out of time. We, it's it's gone quickly. Is there anything you haven't got to share that you wanted to make sure that you shared before we finish up today? Um,
1: I don't know. I mean, I, I'm just. I'm just thankful that the Lord blessed me with a great family, number one, that, you know, can support me in this, this effort, because running a business is not always easy and it's a challenge and there's a lot of stress that comes with it. And we all know that, but having, you know, a a wife by your side, that is uh, such a blessing makes it, makes it doable. Having kids that, you know, um, we've been able to raise to love the Lord makes things a lot better. Um, I just know that God has prepared so many things in advance for me. You know, he's mm-hmm. our our theme verse is, is e Ephesians two ten. Um, you know, and I have it right here because I think it's so important. For we are God's masterpiece. We He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. And we have that etched on the glass in our entryway of our office because We talk about it all the time. God's prepared the things that we're going to do. He's already Mm -hmm. prepared the way. And so for us to be able to live that out and see that working is so humbling and so incredible. So I just think it's a blessing to be in business to where we can, um, you know, we can live it for God and show our business as a ministry, not just a place to
0: have profit. That's so good. Stacey, as you think out, I mean, so you've talked about your kids. I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually stretch your thinking a little bit okay. more. So let's go out. Close your eyes. I think we're gonna go out four generations. Okay. So you're not here anymore. All right. What do you hope, What do you hope that they remember about you? Um. Number
1: one, that he loved the Lord and showed that in the way he did his work. Mm-hmm. Um. He was very generous and made a difference with what God gave him. You know, I want to mm-hmm. be the I want to be known as the one in the parable, the talents that did something with what God gave him. Um, And I want people to know that he loved his family above all. Mm. And um, his family was so important. That's where, you know, having the Greg Pearson Foundation is so vital. And, you know, years down the road, uh, we're already planning for the next generation and generation beyond them to carry that on. And. We pray the Greg Pearson Foundation and Pearson Air are going strong for the next 40 years. Oh, amen. Amen.
0: Stacy, if people want to get more information, especially on the Greg Pearson Foundation, they want to get engaged, they want to get involved, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Um, through our website's great, um, gregpearson.org, G-R-E-G-G. He always okay. He always made a joke about that. One G at the front, two at the end. And so, uh, gregpearson.org is the website. Um, you can find us on all the social media platforms as well. Um, and then pearsonair.com is a great place. We link back and forth to our nonprofit. Um, and of course, Pearson air is all over the social media channels too. So.
0: And then when's the golf tournament? April Cause I know that's how 15th. it started. It's on tax April, day. 15th. There you go. This year, get your taxes done and then come out to the Dallas Fort Worth area and join incredible
1: go. golf. There you go. Yep. You can find all that information on the website, so.
0: Fantastic. Stacy. thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure and a joy.
1: Great. Thanks for having me. I loved it.
0: Yep. Yeah. Everyone, thank you so much for joining us. Um, if you know me, you know that I run an invitation-only program that helps families grow and protect generational abundance for at least four generations. And we do that by exposing widespread planning illusions and minimizing the destruction of wealth during your lifetime and beyond. I've got several tips and examples that can help you grow your wealth by discovering what you don't—that you don't need another business or financial strategy. What you need is to acknowledge that what you do in your living room matters more than what you do in any conference or boardroom. So please connect with us on KingdomROI.org for more information. As always, it's been great being with you. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. God bless you. Have a fantastic day. Thank you so much for joining me for the Kingdom ROI Return on Intention podcast. If you're a business owner or a family who recognizes that what you're doing in your family's living room matters more than what you do in the boardroom or advisor's conference rooms, you're open to sharing the ups and downs of the journey and would like to be a guest on the show, then I'd like to invite you to apply by visiting our website, www.kingdomroi.org. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up. Ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show, and they mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, www.kingdomroi.org, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. This is Eric L. Dunovat, the Kingdom ROI Strategist, signing off until next time.